This is the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is the show where I bring to life the true failures, the true successes, and the true learnings from recruiters and recruitment business owners globally. This podcast is now sponsored and supported by Hunted. Hunted is the destination for recruitment careers. You can download the mobile app or visit hunted.com to step inside the offices of hundreds of the world's best recruitment brands and see what it's actually like to work there. If you did not know, recruitment skills are in high demand and there's never been such a diverse range of opportunities out there for recruiters. On Hunted, you can filter jobs and brands by location, sector and size, as well as nearly 60 different badges that are awarded to businesses based on their features and benefits. You can discover brands who will relocate you overseas, brands that offer flexible working or brands that are a fast growth and with an in-house L&D function. Filter by companies in WeWorks, companies with office dogs, or companies that have invested in a mental well-being initiative. You can build an anonymous profile in minutes and spec yourself into brands to learn more. Or you can let businesses approach you with opportunities that match your preferences. And if you want to have a bit more of a human touch, then Hunted's expert talent team are on hand to support you securing your next role. You can follow Hunted on LinkedIn to ensure you never miss out on the industry's best content and objective advice, connecting you with the opportunity and helping you make the most of your recruitment career. This week, I'm joined by Sean McCleary, who is the managing director of a Manchester based recruitment agency called Insight Recruitment and is also one of the founders of the Power Hive. We recorded this episode in his offices up in Manchester which really I think is the northern version of uh, WeWork and um, Sean is on a real mission to build a thriving business which is based out of a city which is uh, very close to his heart, Manchester. Sean has worked in the recruitment industry for 15 plus years and I was genuinely amazed um, with Sean's mindset towards recruitment and running his business. I'm really, I know I say this all the time, but I am really, really excited for you all to listen to this episode and um, please do enjoy. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and today I am up north. I'm sat down with Sean McCleary, who is the MD of Insight Recruitment, and also one of the founders of The Power Hive. Hi, Hisham. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you um, for so much for, for doing this. Oh, thanks for having We're me, We're in um, what I like to call the, the northern version of WeWork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so... Basically, Sean, as I was saying, where I always, always, always like to start is 
how how the hell did you get into recruitment? Let's hear hear that story. Uh, good question. Um, probably quite a different route to most people. So, I did the whole education thing, and then while I was going through my education, I got into music. Okay. <laughs> um, fancied myself as a bit of a DJ at the mm. time, so was DJing, promoting a club night. Um, and I went to Ibiza for a season. Oh, I thought, wow. yeah, before I get a proper job, mm. I'll, uh, I'll get that out of my system. So um, came back from Ibiza, kind of decided I need that proper job. I thought, right, well, what can I do in the short term to what earn did you me? Do in Ibiza? I did two seasons in Magaluf. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, were, were you actually trying to DJ or were you like selling tickets? I, and shit well, I went there with the view of DJ and I got, I got a gig. In, a, in like a bar it was you know we're not talking playing Pasha or space yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. at this stage um, and, and like you say just trying to trying to get through the days of being hungover and yeah. functioning and, <laughs> you know ultimately trying <laughs> nice to sell it. tickets or whatever on yeah, the side yeah, nice. but no it, and then came back and was like right you know I need to get back out there next summer what can I do in the short yeah, term yeah that's how you know, I thought about it I'd never I'd never really heard of recruitment to be honest with you at that stage um, what, what can earn me money quicker what skills have I got ended up in recruitment and you know just got the bug from it there really yeah, and, yeah. So, and then just to set the scene then like you, how long have you been in recruitment I've been in recruitment 18 years this year so yeah it's a long time isn't yeah it? I'm one of the old guys in the office so you, I think. you don't look old mate <laughs> thank you mate <laughs> thank you <laughs> okay cool so just a quick one because I always like asking um uh, asking about this so like before just very quickly like when so you didn't know about recruitment like how like, did you just apply for a job or like did you have a rhetoric yeah, yeah okay I mean I came in as I said my skills previously had been promoting club nights yeah, yeah, yeah. so it was a case of right well what what can you do and I you know looking at all these sales jobs so you know can you build relationships yeah. so did you, you apply online basically? yeah applied online spoke to a rec to rec okay, and they fair. were like oh well look have you thought about recruitment and Sold i was like dream. yeah yeah exactly fair enough. and then you know got into finding more about the job and and actually once i got in the office and it's got the bug for it yeah, yeah exactly so, so then and then also so then uh, what was the agency that you joined so progressive yeah, yeah. so i started my career out progressive part of the s3 group okay yeah Okay, cool. And then how long, and then just so then I understand as well, so then how long was you there for? So I was there for 14 years. Yeah. Started out as a trainee. Um, when I left, I was a partner running one of their brands. Oh, wow. Okay. And then, and then after that, you then set up your own agency. That's right, yeah. All right, cool. Perfect. So, wow. So I'm sure there's a lot to cover there in those 14 years then. So I guess firstly, so you started as a trainee. Yeah. Like, what, so did, are you, was you straight away in the market that you're in now or not? No, so I started... Uh, April 2002 it was so oh, wow. uh, for those that are a little bit older it was the Lehman's brother crash so oh. literally <laughs> the market had just gone tits up yeah. pretty much I was doing telecoms and networking which was happened to be the, the biggest hit market mm. so got into you know an <laughs> office where I'd seen um, people earning silly money you know mm. um, success and it was kind of a Overnight. case of pretty much over a was it literally overnight literally yeah there was the, the kind of the crash happened and then off the back of that it was weeks I mean the office we were in went from 50 people to about 16 people over a wow. six month period and you managed to keep your job I did I did yeah they, they obviously saw something in me <laughs> um, so then what did you get into after that so I uh, interestingly I did as I said I didn't do a placement for my first six months which I always try and tell people when I'm interviewing them because yeah. I think in this day and age everyone yeah. you want in that instant success for um, sure 
So I did telecoms for six months. Yeah. Um, as I said, the market, um, the office kind of dwindled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there was an opportunity to say, well, look, these telecoms at the moment, clearly mm. there isn't a market there. Mm-hmm. What other opportunities is there oh, across there, the yeah. office? Um, and at the time it was software development. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think I, I flourished from there. The next kind of 12, you know, 12 months, I would have been in the business 18 months by that stage. I went from not doing a deal for six months to being one of the top billers in the business. Really? So. Okay, Let, let's very let's very quickly un- unpack that a bit then. So yeah. literally, so what, firstly, just if you were to think back and also if you talk about this now, which I guess is, yeah, is a really important story to tell you new yeah. highs and stuff now. Like, yeah. what, 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 how, how do you get through that, if you get what I mean? Like, so six months, no deals. For me, I think to like three, four months. Yeah. What made you carry on cracking on and these things, right? Because I'm sure even then, back then, was the expectations quite as like, Sean, like, why aren't you billing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was, um, you know, ultimately probably the support I had around me was really good. But I think also I was kind of measuring the journey and I was measuring my success, my development and trying to measure the small wins. Nice, okay. So it was a case of, right, okay, well... You know, from day one, I've got these clients who didn't want to speak to me. My seventh or eighth call, actually, I'm having good conversations. I really like they know that. I am. They're going to pick the phone up to me. So, so what, what you did, you made the decision to focus on other things besides the, the, the yeah, money on the board. exactly. You know, I, yeah. I think um, I kind of realised very quickly that just because of the market, partly that the success I'd set out at the start in terms of number of placements and things wasn't going to happen. So rather than getting demotivated. I thought, you know what? What, if, what am I doing well? Where yeah, have I improved in how, these things? How can I, how can I kind of really develop myself so I can look back over my first six months and say, you know, I likened it at the time. A lot, a lot of my friends went down the football route. Um, oh, really? And, you know, if you think about it, you start out as, say, an apprentice yeah. footballer. You know, you're cleaning people. I'm not sure you are these days, but <laughs> in those days, you were cleaning people's boots for yeah, the first yeah, six yeah, months. Yeah. You were, you know, you were looking at measuring your fitness. You were looking at kind of um, developing yeah. your technique mm. you know you weren't thinking about getting into the first team yeah I no think, I think that's I, a really I good way to put it to kind of think about mm. is I kind of saw that first six months almost as my apprenticeship to learn mm. um, and thankfully the business at the time supported me because I think I was showing a lot of the other kind of attributes and attitude yeah. and yeah. you know they, they, they backed me on that front. No, that, that's really interesting okay and then I guess um so then after that, you, you went from that, being a sponge, learning as much as you can, these things, to then like, right, actually, I'm in a market now that I can actually really hit hard and do well. So how, how the hell did you go, how did you become the top biller then? Was it besides well, obviously think, being in the th- better market? Yeah, I think it was, uh, look, ultimately, um, I, I, there was a market ch- change. Yeah, of course. And again, I think that, you know, I suppose advice to other people, you can't always necessarily change your market. But one of the things... I'd realized I was doing wrong in the first six months in the telecoms market is I was going after every part of telecoms. Mm. Whereas it was a case of when I got to move market, it was like, well, what is the the real niche within a niche that's going to allow someone to teach you to think that? that, or that just sort of no, naturally? just as a case of, look, you've got the whole of software development to go yeah, at. It's and a I big thought, old place. it's a big old place. It's like, well, what, you know, what do people want to speak to me and have conversations about? And, you know, by trial and error, I suppose, in the first six months, I realized that there were certain areas of telecoms that people would want to have a conversation with me about even if they didn't have a job ah. and I thought well what what is that transferable LA development. area in software development yeah, yeah, yeah. so I really honed down the part of my market that that I thought Smart. was 
Yeah. Um, okay. But I think the other bit, and it was probably due to the experience of not really having many jobs to work in the first six months, was when I got an opportunity um, with a client, I wanted to really overachieve and overdeliver mm. because I thought that, do you know what, this is, this is my opportunity now. So rather than um, kind of just going doing an okay job and then thinking about moving on to the next job, which I see a lot of people doing currently, it's kind of right, well, how am I really going to maximize the opportunity that I've got? Yeah, that's and really I, interesting. I, I think I, I was probably a bit of a... Um, I wouldn't say a lazy recruiter, but I wanted the, the shortcut to success. Yeah. And I saw people across the office. You know, I, I broke down my targets for the year, which, you know, at the time were 250 grand billings in a year. Um, and there was people across the office that were maybe dealing with 20, other, 20 different clients to get to that particular point. Yeah. Whereas I broke it down and thought, well, do you know what? If I can get six clients that I can do you know, 40 grand each at the time, that would have been, you know, five or six placements of my average mm. placement fee. Then that will get me to my end billing figure. That's really interesting. So, so you naturally quite like that because that's really, I think that I took a bit of time to do that where all of a sudden what you're saying there is actually you're working out where you should spend your time. If you're spending time on, on um, X, if that's building this client relationship, if it's getting more jobs on, you know that it should get you closer to that outcome. You really broke it down because obviously being hit with, Sean, you've got a bill of 250K, yeah. all of a sudden you've gone, okay, well, actually, if I get six, like, it seems not, it seems a lot more achievable. Do you yeah, get what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Did you just do that naturally or like did you I have you someone know, that... I think, I think it was looking at the people around me, learning off the people that were successful, yeah. but also learning off the people that that didn't necessarily get success and I yeah, think nice. also thinking about my strengths I think I'm mm. naturally quite a relationship focused person mm. so whereas I wouldn't say kind of like KPIs and ratios and that real kind of detail around that yeah. but what what I was quite good at was measuring a relationship and saying okay you know can I get can I add value to this person? Can I get them to buy into me? Can I, can I really get a tight bond that means they're going to come back to me? Yeah, so I yeah. thought that, do you know what? If That's I can, really if I can do that and focus in a smaller area with smaller people, smaller mm. number of businesses, mm. but just maximise that opportunity. Yeah. I, I think a bit of a wake up call for me was I went on uh, one of my first client meetings in software development. The first placement I went went on an after placement meeting. Um, and it was with a client, um, Sony it was, and basically I thought I'd done a great job. I was, you know, I'd made this, I'd placed a Java developer, got a good fee, you know, and I'd worked with this one manager and I went to meet um, one of the recruitment managers there and realized that, you know, there was probably 99% of recruitment that I didn't even know about that was going on in Sony, <laughs> you know, but I found yeah. out that I'd placed this one requirement that had been live within our team, within Sony for however long. So that got me thinking of- now, Hang on a minute, what else can Sean do for us? Yeah. But you didn't even know, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely come back to that because I actually did a, um, a podcast with a guy called James this week who basically said actually, one of how he's basically because he went from like early 100k's billings to 200k to 300k and then pushing it on yeah. and it kept going that way and he when he got into an environment where like there was really big billers in there he said a lot of the time they got it out of like two three accounts yeah so it's really interesting that you've just said that is that 
you you made this placement like oh my god there's so much more i can do this account but obviously a typical recruiter might be okay i've made that placement like where's the next client where's the next next job do you know what i mean exactly okay that's cool so very quickly then and then how long did you stay in software development did you stay in that for a bit so yeah probably the next three years really in in various capacities um probably year three in my recruitment career i got into kind of managing people so it was you know this the standard route of yeah, you know yeah. you're a senior consultant now can you start and is that something that you people? wanted or was it something you got yeah, sort of pushed into a bit definitely or? I, you know I, again I, I i thought that going back to maximizing the opportunity yeah. it kind of came clear to me that right well i'm you know software development is such a big a big a big a big area that actually kind of grow a team out and probably the bit of the control freak in me was like well if i'm going to build a team out or if i'm going to be getting other people involved in my clients i'd like to have some input in making sure that it's of a similar level or a similar standard yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to what i've been doing okay so, so I, okay three years and you managed and then and then how long did you manage for so i was probably managing in in like a team leader capacity so mixing billing and billing managing, managing yeah, yeah for probably in total probably five or six years from when i started and then you know you get to the stage where i think by that stage my team was seven or eight yeah and it was a case of right can i still can i still do a a good a job billing and I'm, I'm probably someone that um if i know that i can't do a really good job or win at it then i probably don't want to do it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. so the natural competitive element in me was thinking these people in my team are beating me yeah, you know yeah, i need yeah. to start now going down the management route yeah and, so like, and then really double down on okay so just quick a few key things in there then and then we'll um move on to the next part of your career so i think uh, would you agree that that sort of billing manager role is obviously extremely difficult it's right? probably the most difficult that's what i mean obviously every, a lot of people say that so yeah. i guess looking back now and i'm sure you have billing managers in your business now like what's the sort of go-to advice or sort of the learning and the, the big failures and the things that you had to correct that help you get more out of that billing manager role would it would that come to mind i think it's um two things really i think it's thinking about what you want to be famous for yeah okay and ultimately you know making sure that that's replicated in your team so that everyone's bought into that to that vision or okay that. so what you mean by that is make sure that the people in your team are very much approaching how they want to um, approaching the same that you do in terms of the market and all these things yeah they need, you know there needs to be for me like a golden thread that runs through your team that's like, like we're, that. we're all going to be famous for this it could be i don't know for me it was it was relationships so really it was, like you know we we want to have the best relationships and that could be measured in i don't know commitment jobs or testimonials or whatever it might be but you had something that really called to you that was so important to you that know that led to the success you had as a biller blah 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 that all of these people had to buy in on was it not yeah that's really good and i think the business you know there's always an overarching business vision but yeah. i think if you can create that mini vision within your team I like because that. going back to my experience in the first six months when i didn't necessarily bill you know I was still on a journey to do something yeah. and I think that again when you're bringing people in in recruitment getting them on that journey early whatever that journey yeah, like is that. is important so if I'm a billing manager right now and it's like actually fuck yeah like my team right now I'm just sort of measuring them how I'd measure myself and like I'm just trying to make them me or what do you know what I mean so yeah. like what how can you start instilling that if like you've already hired people do you know what I mean yeah how well can- I think I think it's getting them so firstly is getting them bought into into, yeah. into what the vision is that you want to achieve yeah. i think the second bit that i learned the hard way is that not everybody gets to that vision 
doing it the same way. Nice. So when I first started as a billing manager, I was trying to recruit mini me's. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. kind of like, oh, this guy's, this guy's going to be like me. I can see a bit of him in it. Um, and, <laughs> and ultimately, you know, again, any good team and certainly as you start growing a business out, you need, you need a diversity of, of thought within that team. And, yeah. and, and that's another thing I learned that, okay, if, if the objective is the same, people can get to that objective through different means. I like that. As long as everyone's bought into the end goal of the same objective. Yeah, yeah. so uh, basically, if, if you're listening right now, you're a billing manager, you want to make sure that everyone in your team is on the same page and sort of really stand for the same thing. That Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Okay, cool. And then, so then, um, so then basically, was there a particular point then of you were saying that like all of a sudden your guys are actually make, probably making more money than you in these yeah. things, right? But you were sort of, how, how, how was that? Like, how did you keep the billings? Like, was you just winning the accounts and was it like a split fee thing that you yeah, did? Yeah, like, I mean, uh, I think a lot of it was talked about having these ongoing relationships. I think, um, you know, look, one of the one of the challenges for anyone building a recruitment business and one of the, the reasons I think people leave recruitment is, I never wanted to be that person who didn't have business coming into me or yeah. you know did could you know didn't have jobs within a month or didn't didn't actually have meaningful conversations with people so I was always of the, you know let's just build a relationship let's make sure they're going to come back to us let's even when they're not recruiting how are we going to make sure that they know we're there if we need them whereas yeah. so you kept making it happen yeah, yeah and I think whereas other people would you know right this this client isn't recruiting now i'm gonna go for find to the next one yeah and i think have you always thought that's i think that's such a i really like the way that you think about that but like did like did that happen quite naturally because like do you know what i mean the typical pers perception of recruiter is not that it's a lot yeah. more transactional it's a lot more they're just in it for what they are but what you're talking about there is actually putting the client first you're thinking with a long-term mindset do you know what i mean like did that how did you come to that like that's interesting yeah I think. definitely because I, I think i'm probably quite a bit more medium term in terms of my thinking of where i want to get to i mean yeah. other than obviously getting into recruitment where i just saw it as a short term all oh, right this is going to be a job to start with to tide me over once I knew that recruitment was for me, I then thought, right, okay, well, you know, long term, how can I be a leader in the business? Yeah. That was something that I thought about. Um, and, and, and for me, that was built around having almost kind of making yourself redundant with, but having a, you know, a clear strategy of, of business coming into you. Yeah, I really like that. That's, that, mate, that's, that's really interesting. Um, okay, so then when you said that you then like really doubled down on management, what, what do you mean by that? As in like, what did you then get to like the director level? Or what, what, like, yeah, yeah, so it? probably over, so within five, six years, I was running one of the best teams in, in the brand at that stage as like a team manager. Okay, um, as in when you say best team, you mean best performance? Yeah, yeah, it's mm. in terms of yield and relationships. And mm. you know, um, one of the things I was always really proud of is, is the retention side of things, because you know, you, you kind of hear that people leave managers, not necessarily leave businesses. So that mm. would be something that I'd always try and try and make sure that people were on the journey with me. Um, and then from there, I got the opportunity to manage a, a division at the time. It was the permanent side of the oh, business in Manchester. Before. No, I was just managing a team within permanent. Oh, okay. And they said, right, well, look, do you want to run the whole of the permanent side yeah, of the yeah, business yeah, yeah. in Manchester? And then, you know, I, I suppose one of the, the good things about my early time at Progressive and S3 was the growth of that business meant that 
ultimately there always was another opportunity if you were good yeah, yeah so yeah. i then took over the management of the manchester office um then over time took under different offices under my remit i think uh, five different offices under my remit wow. at one stage so okay yeah let's unpack that a bit then and then we'll cool. go into insight so like i think the first thing that's coming to my mind is there'll be a lot of people listening to this that obviously there's a lot of agencies that do I think 80% of the recruitment in the UK employ under 10 people. Right. But there'll be a lot of people that um, obviously are in these big corporates, right? Of course. So I guess quickly, like, what's come to mind is how, how did you work? You said people, were, if you're good, like, you get these opportunities. Like, how did you climb that ladder if you were wanting to do that? Do you know what I mean? Was it just, like, you I always think, had people look, talking I, well I about think, you? Or? Yeah, I think, look, one of the, the, the big things I always tried to be was be authentic. Okay. Um, you know, I think that... Um, you know, and I can only talk from experience yeah, yeah. of being in a bigger business. I think that um, a lot of the people I saw who wanted to be managers would manage in ways that they'd seen other people manage or they would get a message from the top down and just kind of deliver that message because they wanted to tow the company line. Now, I always towed the company line, but I did it in a way to say, well, this is what the company message is, but this is what I think it means to us. Oh, I like that. You know, and I think I think people bought into that. Mm. Um, I think, uh, you know, I really got to know my people on a personal level. Because um, you had a lot of people championing you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think, I can't remember who it was now. I think um, it might be Andrew Silito, one of the guys we, we now work with for the Power High. But he, I remember him saying to me early, early doors and... Um, it was in a book, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People, yeah, yeah. about investing in someone's emotional bank account. Oh, wow. So the whole thinking was that, you know, if you invest enough someone into someone's emotional bank account in terms of when they're having, you know, a difficult time in their personal life, when they're a difficult time in their work life, maybe when they, you know, invest in when they don't expect it, when there comes a, a, a hard time, I don't know, they've had a dropper or having a wobble in recruitment or you know you've got to deliver deliver a message that might not be a nice message they're more likely to respond to that because you've already kind of you know you can take out to look at it from a scientific way you can take that money out because you've already invested it yeah. if you're not invested in someone and then you're looking to take that money out you know yeah. they're going to be overdrawn ultimately <laughs> you know so that well, always works really for interesting. me yeah so you've obviously taken that mindset and obviously that that pay dividends in a, in, a, in a big business. And treating right? them like a person, you know, I think yeah. one of the things, um, I know we'll come and talk about it later, but coming on to my agency, you know, I was always a believer in just really getting to understand that person. What's their strengths? How can you play to those strengths? Rather than that, okay, let's just, you know, kind of blanket manage everyone in the yeah, same yeah, way. Yeah, 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 mate, that's, I absolutely love that. And then I guess before we go into you starting your own agency then, I mean, there must there must be some obviously big learnings through that whole journey, do you know what I mean? Because it just seemed like the responsibility went up yep. to these things. So I guess, just quickly before we move on to insight, like, like what are the things that you had to deal with that you did not expect or the things that you learned from going from, yeah, team manager, director, five offices, da, 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 do you know what I mean? What? Yeah, yeah, I think um, one of the things I kind of learned throughout my career is um, probably just make sure the fundamental parts of of your business are there and consistent and are still invested in before you do something else mm. so you know uh, one of the a wake up calls for me was i had one of the best performing businesses in manchester 
um, for the brand at the time. And they were like, great, we'll give you the opportunity to go and help grow a Leeds office. Um, and naturally, I think I was attracted by the, oh, this is a new, yeah. new sector, new office, new people. And I, you know, although I didn't do it consciously, I think subconsciously I probably spent a bit more time and a bit more of my effort went into to that part of it. And actually the business in Manchester started underperforming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you were to probably average the performance out over the two, I was probably doing worse overall. Oh, wow. Um, and I see again that in a lot of, you know, anyone from someone who's doing a market to be like, okay, well, can I do this market as well? Or, you know, um, someone who's growing a team, it's like, okay, well, you know, get good at, get good and consistently good at something and make sure that you've Before got we jump onto the next thing. That's yeah. Good advice, man. I like that. So then have you always wanted to have your own business? Or like how did yeah, that Yeah, I mean, do, do you know what? I think... Um, Interestingly enough, the, the backdrop to the whole music thing. So I, so while while I was at um, S3 for a long period of time, I was still DJing. Yeah. I was still still doing. You We're know, yeah, yeah. I was resident at Club Sankey's, which is oh, pretty really? famous for, for those. Yeah, no, I've heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so. Well, I, I live basically when I was in. Um Maga lived with like three scousers. Right, Obviously, okay. they spoke about Liverpool a lot, but yeah, yeah. one thought it was a scouser, but it's from Warrington, uh, so he's okay, got red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he told, me, he told me about Sankey's and stuff, so I've heard yeah. about that. Yeah, so I was a resident there for six years, kind of. Was Shit, really? Yeah, yeah, so. I was running my own night. Um, you know, what was it called? Kind of, it's called Disco Electronica the night. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, so, and I, um, you know, I played, I kind of upgraded the Ibiza experience and did end up playing at places like Pasha Space. Oh, wow. I had my own record label. Um, oh, mate, that's but cool. But it, it kind of came to the stage where I was DJing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Did you have a family? Did you like have a I missus? I didn't have a family at that. I had a missus. Yeah. Um, but we're still very much living that kind of weekend yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I think that's probably something that, again, in hindsight, I made a decision to say, right, well, as, as much as recruitment, uh, sorry, as much as DJing, DJing's yeah. great, you know. Is I that sustainable long-term? Is exactly, that Exactly, you know, I yeah, think, yeah. And, and it's probably quite similar to, to footballers in the fact of the only the top 5% of DJs are actually going to make a life-changing like sum of money. Mm. Whereas actually, if you look at recruitment, if you're good, the 30% of people in recruitment, mm. I could say, can can make. That must have been quite hard, though. Because I'm sure it was like a pa it was like a real passion. Yeah. It's not that recruitment wasn't didn't become a passion, but that must have been quite hard. Yeah. To do and that. do you know what the, the turning point was when I got more involved in people because mm. I, I found that when it was when it was my own kind of business, if you like, my own, you, yeah. my own desk, it was okay. Well, you know what? If I don't quite hit target or you know, I could make it up. I could make sure that during the week I still did everything that I needed to do. I mm. still could be successful and my, my billings wouldn't drop. But I suppose if, you know, if, if I wasn't on my A game on a Monday and I was trying to build someone else's career and develop somebody else, it just wasn't got, fair really yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're kind of letting someone down. So okay. I think that, that was the bit for me was when I started to take the management side a bit more seriously I thought well do you know what I need to fully focus on that and you know I think again going back to probably focusing on something I then saw my 
kind of performance as a manager yeah, really yeah. flourish. Well, and then so then making the sort of decision that actually this sort of DJing stuff is that I want to do long term. You're like actually, what else could I yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. So it would, I dropped the DJing down. It was then okay. You know, I'd still do the odd gig, but it'd be seen, some, the, seen the decks upstairs. Uh, exactly. Yeah, no I mean, you know, I'm still hanging on to it as much as I can. <laughs> I try. I think the, the most they get now is let loose on the the office stereo. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but but ultimately, yeah. Uh, you know, so I'd still do more of a hobby, I suppose, yeah, but yeah, then yeah. just focused focused on my career and that really saw me grow. And, that, and then what that led you, actually, I can probably do this for myself. Uh, exactly. And then it was more a case of, I think, um, you know, got the opportunity from, uh, I always was floated the opportunity from an S3 point of view to go internationally, but because of the commitments I had around my music, I always thought, no, that's not for me. Um, you know, you could probably tell by the accent of my Manchester <laughs> lad born and bred. So I think, yeah. you know, staying in Manchester and growing something really exciting was always something that I had an itch for. Mm. Um, and as my career progressed in S3, I kind of realized that, you know, their objective was to grow globally rather than necessarily grow something massively exciting in Manchester. So, yeah. so uh, and, you know, there came a time where I thought, and also I found recruitment is evolving um, mm. and now wanting to try a few different things. And it's a bit it's more, harder when you're in that. Yeah, sort of business, it's more difficult it? to do that in a big corporate yeah. kind of environment where they've got, you know, 2000 staff to think about rather than, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, one person in Manchester who wants to do things slightly differently. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And then um, did you start on your own or did you start with a business partner? Yeah, or? so um, I started with a, with a business partner, a guy called Adam Richardson. Um, we we kind of started out an IT brand together. And did you meet at S3 or was you mates? No, or? no, it was interesting. He was actually a friend of my brother's um, and um, younger than me. Um, gone and achieved success in his own right with um, with his own businesses. He'd yeah. started out in recruitment and then gone and set up um, kind of call centers doing PPI, things yeah, like yeah. that, financial services, got some real success. Um, and then it just timed well that I was leaving S3. Um, he was, he'd kind of finished what he was doing yeah. and, you know, it's like, look, let's, he had an office in Stockport. I don't know if anyone. Decent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not that decent, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, I think this, this. You know, you'd go out for lunch, and there was an option of a Greg's or a pound, a pound butty shop. Oh wow. <laughs> so, decent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, and so look, you we, started. With yeah, him. we started it together, and then grew it from there. Okay. So very quickly, it just popped in my head. I wanted to ask this. So, I've also had um, Andy Simpson on this podcast, yeah, right? Obviously, he worked at S3. Yeah, yeah. So what, obviously, as I said to you before we went on, like I was in my own little bubble outside of London, yep. eight people in office, right? I did not know this whole sort of S3 thing even existed. Yeah, there. Yeah. So very quickly before I ask you some good stuff around that, what is this S3 thing? <laughs> like, what, what, like, do you know what I mean? What I do you think now being out of it and speak to business owners, da, 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 what made S3 so special and what made it, do you know what I mean? Like, what, how would you describe it? Um, well, I think, look, look, similar to you, you don't probably didn't really appreciate yeah. the, the kind of um, the domination that S3 has in terms yeah. of probably people who've then gone and set their own businesses yeah. up as well till you're out of it and um, I, I think ultimately you know it, it's the people mm. I think one of the things that S3 had and certainly when I started out was you had some really ambitious some really inspirational 
people, people and yeah. because it was a really kind of um, fast growing environment, it, the standards yeah. were really high, you know, yeah. I think. So not everybody made it, um, yeah. but the people who did made it or, or then took what they learned from S3 and applied that outside yeah. of S3 yeah. had the best ground into to so it seems like obviously they built a, a sort of top class culture and and then also actually the people that made up that culture were like just it was just a really high standard yeah like, i mean yeah. They, they, i think around the sales side of things for for what was important at the time which was right kind of in a lot of instances being i think you know, we were talking about this earlier is yeah. competitive advantage yeah, yeah. Is, is such a big thing in recruitment. I think where S3's competitive advantage was they just developed salespeople who would who would be um, more driven than other sales, than, than the competition would be, would work harder than the competition, yeah. would maybe have higher standards than the competition. And, and at that time, it was all about um, probably being going over and above to to deliver i think obviously where um a kind of a business of that size has challenges as it grows and recruitment's become more about services is ultimately it's then also making sure that every single one of those does it in the right way with the customer mm. and that's where maybe i went on a slightly different path and wanted to do something that was a bit more boutique and a little bit more um you know i i, I kind of describe s3 as as in, in in a good way the mcdonald's of recruitment yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like you know you you go anywhere you go anywhere in the world and you're going to get a you're going to get a good service from mcdonald's you're going to you can know what you're going to get in terms of product it's going to be yeah, done yeah. in the right way you might go to amsterdam and you get a pint with you with you know you get a beer whereas in manchester you don't get a beer but they managed to really kind of build processes and systems yeah, yeah. and dominate it that way whereas i think as I've gone into try and do something different, it's kind of looking at the other elements. If you're not going to have those numbers of people, to be able to be different. Yeah, I really like that, mate. Well, very well put. Okay, so then just to frame up, so so when did you start um, Insight? So I started Insight February 2016, so just over three oh, three okay. and a half years ago. Okay, now. cool. And then just very just to frame up, and then I'll ask you a few things. Like, so it was just you two. And how quickly? And then, like, how quickly then is it? So right now, it's did you say thirty people? Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, ultimately, we. Um, I think. Look, I always had aspirations to kind of grow something, something yeah. exciting. So it was always going to be more than you and Adam. Like yeah, definitely. Away. Yeah. So it wasn't a lifestyle business. <coughs> no, yeah. no. Look, I think um, you know, I came out of it with a clear, clear path of right. I want to grow something, you know, going yeah. back to... Yeah, you've been growing these teams, you've been yeah, managing people. And, and going back to my personal vision, I suppose, was, again, I, I'm quite passionate about growing something exciting in Manchester. You yeah. know, grow, grow, from an S3 point of view, um, some of the stuff was London-centric, yeah, and I yeah, was yeah. quite passionate to say, well, why can't we why can't we have something really exciting in the north? Um, and whilst they were behind that to a certain extent, I wanted to do that for yeah, myself. Yeah, you wanted to really double down. Yeah, yeah that so that was the first goal is, you know, can I really grow, can I be the best agency in the North? Yeah. And you thought, and you knew that, like, that was like, that's what he was thinking about when he was just shooting Adam in Stockport, buying the one pound butties. Exactly, like, this is exactly. Okay, so then you went from you two, then look, by the end of the year, what was, you, how many people was you at? And then so was in the, the first year we got to, so it was quite interesting. I think um, we, we did something slightly different. Okay. Um, 
when we when we, we said right firstly we very much focused on the culture and okay. you know we, we spent a lot of time on the, our values and our yeah. vision as a business you know i think a lot of people fall into that starting up my own business and it's like right where's my next deal coming from yeah, yeah, yeah. you know where how can i get some money on the board mm. whereas we thought you know what if we're going to build something um it comes back to that golden thread then like, let's make sure we understand yeah, both what, what that is what does everyone coming into the business you know know um you know when we move from Stockport, for example, we moved specifically moved into Ancoats because we wanted the northern quarter of Manchester represented, you know, what we were about, which is being a little less corporate, being a bit more up and coming, being a mm. bit more creative. Okay. Whereas a lot of the recruitment businesses naturally would be lounge spinning fields, for example. Oh, okay. Um, Interesting. So we, we we've made a lot of careful decisions around what do we want our brand to represent. Mm. Um, and then the other part of it was we said, right, well, let's do this a bit differently. Going back to being really focused on relationships, our goal was, right, if we can sign 100 clients up in, in a 12-month period, rather than measuring revenue, rather than measuring how many deals we've done, if we can sign these 100 clients up, knowing how I'd worked previously, I knew that we would make at least two placements per client. Mm. So rather than every everything being right well where's the next deal coming from it was like well where are we where's the next client relationship coming from wow. uh, how are we going to measure that um quite early in 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 that in that process we won a couple of big clients um and it was a case of right well do we do we say to them no mr client i can only deliver to you in this one area because there's only two three four of us or do we back ourselves and grow a bit of a team and we made the decision to back ourselves. I think we were 12 at the end of our first year. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, and then, you know, we've kind of doubled in size pretty much year on year since okay. then. Mate, that's, I love the way that you, you sort of thought about that. Okay. And then just quickly, because I want to ask you about, about that in particular in terms of winning clients, all these things. As I said, you're one of the most common things that I'm sure you see now people struggle with and also people ask me to ask people about is business development. Yeah. So I guess just quickly to add the context, um, those hundred clients, were they all, were they people that you aiming at that you were in your market previously at S3 and stuff? No, you know no. I mean? Was it yeah, like we, a new we, market or was it? We, um, I suppose one of the, one of the kind of benefits in hindsight that I had was I'd not been directly recruiting for eight years. So, so you didn't have any so, yeah, uh, so, so I couldn't, yeah. Well, it's not even that. I couldn't, even if I wanted to ring someone, you know, I, I, unfortunately I was generally S3 only rolled out when something went wrong. So, <laughs> so you know, it was, a, it was a client where we've had an issue or something's happened and because the level I was at, it was okay. I'll go out and, you know, fight the problem, that situation. Yeah. So I didn't necessarily have those personal relationships. Relationship. Um, so it forced me to think about, well, who do you want to make relationships mm. with? Who should be your target market? How are you going to approach those people? And our strategy was, look, everyone else is going out there trying to get them, ask them for jobs. I think, what can we do to just speak to them about something else than other than you have, have you got any jobs, but have you, and then how can you still come across as credible and still come across as someone that they want to speak to? So very early we committed to doing events. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. So well, we did our first event insight into, we called it, um, probably about four months in. 
Um, and, um, and what was the thought process behind that? Just like, just give, well, like, just do something different. Yeah, it was. Firstly, when we moved into Manchester, so we moved into Manchester about four months and yeah. four months in, and I couldn't believe that on my doorstep, where we were in it, well, and where we still are, still are in Ancoats and Northern Quarter, there was a different tech meetup going on pretty much every night. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's kind of like, well, that's interesting. But they all had this we don't really want recruiters there because yeah, we're yeah. all tech people and all yeah, the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. And and ultimately, I think that's probably because of there's a concern are our recruiters just going to come and sell to us? Yeah, basically, yeah. So I went to a lot of the events to start with and just got speaking to people and said, look, I'm not here to sell to you. I'm a recruiter, by the way, but... I'm all this, about relationships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, look, just tell me, tell me like, why, why do you find that, you know, I was genuinely really interested to be like, what what are you getting out of these events why do you come to them um and a lot of it was knowledge but kind of wanting to network with like-minded people some people just wanted to come for the beer and free pizza <laughs> you know ultimately <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but um and then we said well why don't we, we do something different so we did insight into um digital and it was all around the challenges of attracting and retaining talent within the digital marketplace Smart. in manchester um and then we we went out to a lot of our target customers and just said, look, you might not know who we are, but this is what we're, we're doing in Manchester. You're not talking to them about jobs? Yeah. Um, they're smart. Yeah. And they had you, had you run any events at S3? No. I'd, I, we'd done exhibitions and um, we'd sponsored things. But I but think... never actually Yeah, run, well, yeah. one of the challenges of these bigger businesses is I think everything's about return on investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was gonna be my next thing because I think one, mate, I love the fact how you approach it. Approached it. Obviously, when we were talking earlier about personal brand and stuff, it was like the best content and things like that. What you're talking about, event, an event is pretty much your content. You actually found out what these people want. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. that that's obviously the smart thing for you is actually you're not thinking typically a recruiter go okay what's in it for me yeah for this event right? yeah but you're thinking how can this be the best value for a tech person or person digital to attend so you yeah. work that out and then that was gonna be my next thing well for anyone listening like okay sean well how's that gonna make me more money yeah like what, what how did that then affect the business and, and these things yeah well i think if you, if you think about it you know you, you start you you know you're making however many sales calls how many linkedin messages yeah. emails to actually get a decision maker on the phone um, I just took, took that back to say, well, you know, based on the feedback I'd had, people were opening, open to having conversations about events or going to yeah. events. Obviously, a lot of businesses in Manchester, because they are struggling to attract talent from a tech point of view, wanted a forum to be able to promote their businesses. Mm. So it's it very simple as not allowing the gatekeeper to shut you down because, look, I'm not calling about recruitment, but I'm calling about an event that they should be a part of. Mm. And you'd get through. Mm. To, to, you know kind of tip number one you're actually getting through to someone <laughs> which I you know a lot of people find challenging tip number two it's a case of well these people are prepared to meet meet with you because you know going back to what you're saying it's kind of well what's in it for them yeah, yeah, yeah. what's in it for them is building their own personal brand yeah um, and, and, and their promoting their business promoting their and these business. things so ultimately go in there having a conversation you're in there for 45 minutes an hour talking about the event, what they could speak about. And by the end of it, they're like, oh, by the way, we need, we've got a load of recruitment that we need. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Oh. Well, we can help you with oh, that. Oh, can we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, so ROI has been, you're pulling jobs, 
point of difference, you're standing out, you're going to be making money from these things, right? Uh, uh, 100%. So the, how, the, actually, good, actually, good to get your point, sorry to butt in. How, how have you got better at measuring the ROI? How yeah, have you done that? So I think going back to the original plan was yeah. all around you know, signing up 100 clients. So that, yeah, was, our first, clients, that yeah. was our first big, big objective. And as I said, bringing people into the business, it was all a case of, right, how can you contribute to this? Yeah. And that was the vision. As we probably got six months into that vision, one of the learns was, okay, well, we're on track to hit these 100 clients, but are all of them the type of businesses that we want we to be want working to work with, with yeah. so it's kind of then and narrow- can we make two placements out of them Have exactly we got the so yeah. it's then then you know when you've got a bit of a narrative and you've got a bit of a story it's okay refining that and to say well do you know what we value our service do these people value our service is there a relationship there yeah are they the type of business you know if we want to be attracting the best tech people for example is telling them that we work with x company going to set us aside for the competition well if not then you know why are we working yeah, because yeah. they're a represent you know they're an extension of our brand ultimately mm. so that was the first part we, we started to then measure you know i suppose a hundred signed clients in retrospect is quite a crude measure it's a big a big picture measure but then it was like right okay well how many of those have given us commitment jobs mm. how many of those would meet with us so that would be a uh, kind of strike them off straight away if if they'd agree to work with you but they wouldn't meet with you then then how are they going to make time to look at a fucking CV so I think I think a lot of people for me would be thinking about how you can measure the relationship even little things like do they return your call yeah do they do they you know will they respond to your emails because yeah. I, I see a lot of people kidding themselves oh, i've got this job i'm gonna yeah. you know. that's what you uh i learned early on isn't it like you just work shit jobs or you work on things that you have no relationship in isn't it it's hard yeah Mate, i really i really like that okay so a few things um so what i just wanted to jump in quickly if you don't mind no so worries. Obviously, the journey that you've been on, you've got, you've obviously now, you're obviously now employing people. You went for obviously in big teams managing people. Like just quickly, and then I've got a few other things I want to ask you. What's been like, like big billers, right? Yeah. What What are the things that you're? If I'm sure you have some big billers in your business now, yeah, and yeah. You've seen the big billers. Like, what What are you? What What are the common things that you're seeing in these people? I think it's I think it's evolved personally. Yeah, fair I think enough. that. Um, some of the big billers at S3, um, when I first started out, they were just, you know, you, you kind of really um, driven salespeople who would push situations, who would, you know, would be that kind of, that person that you'd probably describe as having the gift of the gab. Yeah. Um, but they weren't always necessarily as process driven. Okay. And I think they, they, they would, but they would get success. I think in this market, I think for me, it's the people that are process driven. I'm okay, finding. Nice. I'm okay. thinking it's the, the discipline. I think yeah. recruitment, it's, it's about, I, I see the top billers personally, they, they've got a baseline standard that they never fall below. Mm. So they come in every day, they'll get the basics done and they'll have good days where they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do more than the average and they'll end up being really successful. But on the days where they don't, necessarily hit those heights they're still they're still, still doing yeah, the basics yeah, 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 very yeah. well okay i think um being an expert in your market yeah. is something that i can't stress 
you know, highly enough and, you know. And when you say that, are you saying like, because I think when I speak to people, they're like, they're a bit worried about that because at the end of the day, if I'm recruiting into the tech market, I'm not going to be as knowledgeable as the tech person at the end of the end of the phone. No. So when you're saying being an expert, are you saying make sure you're very, very well informed of the tech market, who's moving where, what businesses are doing? Do you get what I mean? Obviously, to have an understanding of what that tech person does is important, but you're never going to be an expert of what they do because that's what they do. Do you yeah. get what I mean? So what uh, do you mean? I see people falling into the trap of um, just going back to my experience, yeah, for example, yeah, yeah. of software development. It's okay. Software development is such a broad area yeah. that what I want to do is I want to let everyone know that I'm an expert in software development. So if they need Java, if they need .NET, if they need this, then I can supply them because what I'm concerned is if someone looks on my LinkedIn or someone looks at the jobs I'm advertising, if there's not something on there that says I do all of these areas, then they might not come to me. Okay. But I think now more and more people are coming and say, right, okay, it's all right that you do front-end development, but which framework do you work with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting it's that niche that. ultimately. So, so I, I think people fall into the trap of just trying to keep it generic because yeah. they're worried that I don't want to rule anyone out, but actually yeah. that rules them out, if that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, but so, so then, but then, what you're saying is, yeah, really double down on your niche. But then, like, it's like when you say expert, it's like, do you know what I mean? You're not going to have as much knowledge as these tech no. people. So you're saying just expert in your niche, and you know it yeah, inside well, out. Just, just knowing who are the. I mean, ultimately, I'm not talking about being an expert in terms of knowing, yeah. you know, how to program or. Because I think sometimes just people muddle that up. I no. think that's why people are a bit like, well, fucking hell, I'm not, I'm not as talented as these people. I'm not going to be as credible, whatever. But actually, it's like, well, no, recruiters get paid because they're experts at knowing what's going on in the 100%. market. Do, do, do you know what I mean? But I think sometimes people muddle that up no, when you say, so, I mean, mate, look, I need you to be an expert. But for, for me, you know, if someone was an expert in C sharp, then ultimately they'd be going do that job. I think, I think for me, it's expectations that do you know who the top fifty candidates are that yeah, nice. that ultimately are, are kind of the leaders in that skill. If a candidate speaks to you, do you know ten, twelve yeah. hires that are, are really within that particular yeah, yeah, area? So I think okay. expert in knowing recruitment yeah, within yeah, yeah. that particular cool. market. No, I'm, glad, I'm glad you cleared that. So, so you're saying process disciplined, even if they have a not so great day, they're doing the basics right, they have that really good sort of standard. Yeah. Be really knowledgeable and informed of your market. What, is there anything else? Relationships, Relationships I would say. Yeah. You're, you're big on that. You know, I think, yeah, as I said, going back to, to my point, I always break it down to, to my consultants. You know, if 200 grand is the mark that you want to bill in a year and your average fee is 10K, then why go and try and do that with 20 different businesses? So you're reverse you engineering that. Yeah, so it's done, okay, yeah. well, can you find in your market, is there going to be, I don't know, you do Java developers in Manchester, is there people that are going to take on 10 Java developers this year? Well, yeah, okay, well, identify those businesses and have a bit more of a medium-term strategy to winning that business than being very reactive and just going after a yeah, business yeah. that might have one nice. one person because if you get five people and you do you know 40 grand each with each of those then that's your 200 yeah, grand no, hit. I guess like how you approached it yeah okay 
So one thing I just want to um, ask you is, so right now, if I'm if I'm if I work at Insight and I'm sat down with you, Sean, and I'm because I get this a lot, people they're sort of at that maybe 150, 180k mark, maybe early 200s, and they they do want to get to the next level. Yeah. Like typically, I know you just said relationships and you break it down there, but like typically, what do you end up talking about with your consultants that are like, Sean, I just can't, I just can't get past that that next. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't yeah. break through that next thing. So, yeah. what sort of things are you talking to me about yeah. typically? Okay, well, I'm probably looking at um, you, you kind of your client, your customer base. Yeah, so straight away, so, what relationships do you have? Yeah, what relationships do you, you have? Can you do more with them? Maybe? Yeah, I mean, you know, being efficient with your time. I think yeah. once you get to that. 150, 180k biller, you, you probably feel like you're working all the hours that you yeah. can work, you know, yeah. but it's then, okay, well, you know, valuing, valuing your, your, your time, are, are you risking every job that you work to say, right, well, is this actually going to turn into a convertible job? Do you know your ratios yeah. and, and are you focusing on the right areas? You know, mm. in this market for me, particularly if you're doing permanent, everyone should be working in a market where they can get multiple interviews for their candidates. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. are, you, are you recycling the stuff that you're doing? You've worked really hard to identify that one candidate. Uh, what are you doing to get them six or seven to interviews? To maximise that opportunity. Oh, rather yeah. than just getting them one interview yeah. and hoping... I remember that. getting that advice, actually. It's such, that is such good advice. Because you, when you look back, it's like, actually, yeah, I've worked this job, I've got two really good people and I only sent them to two businesses. Fuck, what else could I do with that person? 100%. Yeah, okay. Just, just what, are the th you know, what are the things that you're currently doing that you can tweak to get an extra 10, 20%. You know, I'm a big believer in marginal gains. We talk yeah, a lot yeah. about in my business. So rather than, you know, try and reinvent the wheel, yeah. um, what are the little bits that you can get to get an extra 10% in each area? And if you're doing that across oh, 10 up. different yeah. areas... Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, again, so it's like, okay, so you want to get to 250 and you're at 150. Don't let that be sound daunting or whatever. Let's break that down. How many, actually, it's only five extra clients that are doing 10K of each. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, okay, I like that. Um, so one or two things about actually being a business owner, and I think that will lead quite nicely into the power hive and how that ended up, right? Yeah. So I guess surely it hasn't all been... Um, sunshine and rainbows right no, do you know no. what i mean so like, let's talk a bit about because look this this whole thing is not like you've been i feel like the way you're talking about you've been really positive and, and all these things which i absolutely love but like where has there been times where fucking nearly nearly quit this business da, da, yeah. da, do you know what i mean when there's been yeah, some like really tough times that you got through and looking back i was like wow that's really made me do you, do you know what i mean yeah, what has I been think, some real tough I times mean, for you the first year Although, you know, it sounds really romantic getting to 12 people, yeah, and, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, all that side of it. I, I earned more in the first, uh, sorry, I earned less in the first year than I probably had earned in the previous five years. Yeah, yeah. Did as you a, have a family at that Yeah, I've got, well, I had two kids that when I started, I've got three three children now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so ultimately you, you're kind of working longer hours, um, for less money, really, yeah. in, in, in the first instance. And how did you deal with that then? Because I'm sure one, you had you had stresses and actual um, family and all these things, right? Mrs. Of going, Sean, yeah. you're gonna be a fucking millionaire, mate. What's going <laughs> on? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like, how? Yeah, let's talk a bit about some of those struggles. Then. I think I think it's just being clear about what it you know why you're in it in the why first place, it, what, what, building, it, what yeah. it is, and then when those kind of when those times where you are you know looking at your bank account and it's not as healthy as it used to be you kind of you, you you're understanding well where are, are you in the journey yeah I like you that. know i think um i think that would be something that that i would really say i think um 
you know, I always, people ask me what it's like running your own business and I kind of say the highs are higher but the lows are so much lower. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that's ultimately it. I think, um, you know, you have, I think um, it's harder to not take staff leaving you personally because mm. I think when you're at a big business, you know, you can almost say, oh, well, you know, they didn't really buy into the business or when you put your heart and soul into yeah, a vision of a business, you know, and it's, and, you know, people are leaving that business. It's like, okay. How do you deal with that? Is it just like, if you know, if you look in the mirror and go, you know what, I've actually done everything I can, like that makes you more comfortable with it. I, I love my, my, my kind of personal philosophy has always been like to, to try and develop people as, as much as I can, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough over the 18 years of recruitment, you know, I've come into this with, as I said, you know, kind of selling tickets on the side in Ibiza just to be able to go out and have a night out to, you know, having a lot of the, you know, the, the finer trappings that a recruitment career can bring you. Yeah. But I've never lost sight of the fact that I've developed so much as a person and, you know, my life has improved so much because of the opportunities that people gave me during that time period. And I try and look at it that way. If I can, if I can bring someone in, develop them as a salesperson, develop, you know, a lot of these people who are coming into recruitment are 22, 23, 24, you know, they haven't got the life experience. Yeah. They've come out of uni, you know, so it's a case of, I always took it personally that if I can, leave them at a better place than when they started, then my job You've is done. done. Job. And I think that thankfully a lot of those people would say, right, well, do you know what? The loyalty is built there because you've, you've developed yeah, me to yeah, X yeah. point. Um, Mate, that's class. Mm. Where's that come from? Like you can't have always felt like that. Have you always sort of, do you know what I mean? Like where's, I just I love the way you, like you've obviously clearly got such a strong mindset. Yeah, and, do you know, do what, you I mean? know what? I, th I think it, I've always been one for, collaboration I've always been one for for you know I'm a believer that kind of like sharing and supporting each other is, is going to come back for you I was never one in the early days of recruitment it was all kind of like chest beating yeah, you know yeah, I'm yeah. going to you know kind of screw over the person opposite me because that's going to get me ahead I, I was always more of a case of do you know what if you if you um, if you treat people in the right way then ultimately it's going to come back that's yeah, class. Yeah. People don't think that people don't think that like people still think you have to be bullish and like. Do you know what I mean? It's no, mad. not at all. Not. I think that puts. And again, I go out to a number of customers who they're really put off by that approach. Yeah, I would yeah. say. No, honestly, man, I absolutely love the way you put that. So one last question before we go into um, the power hive, which I think ties into what you're just talking about there, paying forward. Which yeah. So. Um, what you were saying before we went on about that sort of, I said to you that a lot of agency owners I've spoke to, like they sort of hit that maybe sort of glass ceiling of like, you said it was like 20 heads, was yeah. it? Like, yeah. so obviously now you're at 30, like you said that around that sort of 20 mark, like you find it really difficult to push on. Yeah. And I have had a lot of those conversations. So I guess I was just thinking actually, if, if you could share your sort of insights and how you pushed on through that, is there anything worth talking yeah, about? Yeah, I of? think the, um, you know, the, the early days of starting up your business, I'm, it's probably the same as just starting up a market. Is, is it's kind of, you're in that startup phase, so everything's pretty exciting. Yeah, you're bringing people on. That's okay. You know, we, we've got this startup. I think more and more, um, both from a tech point of view, the clients I go and meet, but also from an agency point of view, 
that kind of startup idea of, oh, we can come in, we can fail, we can do lots of, you try lots of different things, yeah. works well. I think um, we had a lot of people that were of a similar mindset when we were probably eight, nine, 10, 12 people. Um, yeah. And obviously, um, I think I, I, as a leader, probably got to um, kind of impart the way I wanted to do things directly with a lot of people mm. when you get to 20 people and then pushing on past that um one of the things i found is that you can only you know that gets diluted down there's, yeah, only, so, say, yeah. there's only so much that people can can you know you can't spend one-to-one time with every single person you yeah. can't get everyone bought into that same vision necessarily and it's about the systems and processes and you know how do you measure things and yeah. so that, i guess so then you're through that process is like okay so I, ha- I can't obviously it's unrealistic to have a business full of people that all have the complete same mindset but what are the key things that they need to be fucking great at or hit the mark on i, th- I think a lot of the ca- firstly characteristics for me really important when i recruit people i think the two things i always look for are people that have got humility wow, because okay. i think that you know ultimately everyone's going to fail at some stage everyone's got to be able to take on advice everyone's got to be able to kind of be bought into the shared vision ultimately so humility is always important for me and the people that i look for and i think the second thing would be have a growth mindset because i think i love this yeah yeah this is class (laughs) Um, and how how do you look for that in people like I when think, they failed and they yeah, come back, I what think they, it's, I where think they speak about yeah, things. Exactly. Well, it, when you're interviewing people, I think it's people who are prepared to take on board feedback, are prepared to take on board, you know, talking about, you know, maybe seeing their career as a, as a learning, maybe seeing, okay, you know, I, I might not have, you know, I, I've taken people who haven't built, built a load of money somewhere else because the way they've talked about it was, well, look, I you know i could have improved in this area yeah. I, this is what i didn't do well this is what I've yeah there wasn't from pointing it. the finger there wasn't you know going whereas the i've had i might have one person who's built i don't know 50 grand in his first year or her first year and then i've had another person who's come in and built 100 grand and been like oh the company didn't support me i didn't get linkedin recruiter or i didn't get this or i didn't get that and on paper you're thinking well one's built 100 grand one's built 50 grand which one are you going to go for i think if you look at the characteristics yeah, and think, class. well, actually, that person's approaching it in the right way. Yeah, yeah. Then good. you're going to be able to mould that it person. Comes down to accountability, there, doesn't it? It's like if you're moaning about fucking LinkedIn recruiting, and you're not saying, well, actually, yeah, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Yeah, mate, that's class. Yeah, I love that. So look, let's go into um, as we sort of round this off. Like, I think that when not sort of goes into nicely, like you're someone that clearly, if you do, if you if you do this for someone, like you're happy, feel like you've done your job, you're willing to share these things. So like, how did the so the power hive? Yeah. Just in a nutshell, for those people that don't know what it is, what yep. how would you describe it? Um, what so is it? So the power hive is a community. I'd probably describe it. Yeah. Um, for owners and directors of recruitment businesses. Yeah. Um, I think the background to it is when I left S3 three and a bit years ago, um, the first thing that I did was go around and meet everybody that had um, worked at S3 or, you know, that I knew in my network. Who could you learn from? Yeah, exactly. So it turned out to be 25 to 30 people. So there was, you know, people like, 
Dan Dore, who's one of the owners and founders of Amoria Bond, yeah. you know, through to um, people who had smaller businesses, through, uh, you know, Keith, who's now one of the partners yeah. of, of, of the Power High. Did you work guys these people sort of mentors sort of things? Yeah, I just yeah. went to look, you know, again, um, I think rather than, uh, I suppose my natural style has always been to go with the attitude of I know less than you, please tell me. Whereas I think some people would want to go and say, oh, you know, I'm great, everything's great, etc. It was a case of, look, I have you know nothing about starting my own business up. You know, I'll be honest with you, I've got two kids, I've got a mortgage. Yeah. You know, I back myself, don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm you know... I'm, Humility, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. And, and people, in my experience, are much more likely to want to help. And so, and, and, and going through that process, everyone was like, well you know, think about this, uh, you know, go to these suppliers for that. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and off the back of it, I said, well, look, why don't we all meet up for a lunch quarterly or whatever, just to measure how we're getting on against each other, share this best practice, share these ideas. So we had a few informal lunches and then it was a case of, do you know what, like we want- Let's not key this just between yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and one of the things was, how do we get some non-XS3 people in the room? Because, <laughs> you know, ultimately we were all brought up to do things in a certain Same way, yeah. which, you know, ultimately was like, well, if we're going to actually know how to build the best business or what the best blueprint, yeah, exactly, because there's loads of other people that have done yeah, it for sure. in different ways. So then we, you know, we, we kind of, we got other people in that way. And before we knew it, we were 40, 50 people. Um, and it was a case of, right, well, we, we want to do this regularly. We want to build it into something. So then that, that was really how the power hive was formed. It's quite interesting. Um, it was very much Northern based to yeah. start with. So it was called the Northern power hive. And part of that was born out of um, probably this kind of feeling I've got about Manchester being not necessarily recognised. Yeah. And I looked at... Not given enough credit. Yeah, I looked at a lot of the other recruitment networks and they're all very London-centric and they would kind of, yeah, we'll, we'll still come to Manchester, but it'll be a, an add-on Secondary. To, yeah, to what we're doing. Whereas like, well, you know what, there's some really exciting businesses in Manchester. Let's focus on that. Um, you know, one of the ethos was, was Northern Soul. So we talked a lot about leave your ego at the door. Um, Love that. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and we, for the first probably 12 months, we just focused in, in Manchester. We got to over 80 members in Manchester. Um, and, and there was a real demand. People just saying, look, there's a, there's a need for this in London ultimately. And, the feedback we had that you know you've got networks that are quite say social yeah. in one, one element you've got other networks that are maybe more learning focused yeah, yeah. and we probably saw ourselves somewhere in between that's yeah, yeah. kind of had the best of both of those worlds and you know we, we did a, our first couple of events in in london and you know, i think we had 75 at the ned in the first one and i was i was kind of blown away by yeah it's by mad isn't it just one idea it's crazy yeah. it? it is mad yeah yeah it's mad. and so yeah so what's your, so what's your uh, vision with it like just quickly like well, what, yeah, where do you I see mean, it in the next I think, sort of i think for me the the vision is that um ultimately that being part of that network is is giving someone a competitive advantage that yeah. is going to allow them to be more successful. You know, we've already seen it with the, some of the ideas that are being shared, some of the relationships. We talk about the driver for, for that business is making human connections is, mm. is what we can talk about it because making human connections in the community, but also allow, giving you the tools to go and make better connections with your customers. Um, 
And I think for me, uh, you know, I, I want to evolve it to the stage where I can go and see a customer or someone in the power hive can go and see a customer and say, yeah, I'm part of the power hive. And automatically that puts them in the top 10% of, you know, okay, yeah. well, I want to so work yeah, with Yeah, you want to sort of equip these people with something that actually can help them grow their business 100%. and help them make more connections. Going back to competitive advantage, really, yeah. just making sure that that actually gives them, you know, a head start, I suppose. Mate. Love it. That's classy. <laughs> Wicked. Um, cool, mate. So one or two um, last things. Firstly, I know you were just saying there, but what, um, as, we, as we wrap up, mate, what, what are you super excited about in, in your world, mate? What, what's going on? What are you excited yeah, about? Yeah, look, I'm excited about um, Insight recruitment. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, I, th I think we're, we're growing. You know, we're, I, I think we talked about it earlier. We've got a, we've got a, a halfway through a, a five-year roadmap to try and get us to 100 people. You know, I think for me, still very passionate about creating this, you know, this hub for success in the north. But we're also looking internationally at the moment, which, which again is really exciting for me. You know, can the, can the Manx lad, the Manx scally, <laughs> go, <laughs> go, go over to New York or wherever yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and really replicate that? So that, that's really exciting. And then, and then obviously, you know, the power hive and. I think even just the learnings I've had personally from, yeah. you know, being in the room with some of the people that are there and some of the experiences they've got, I think has allowed me to not only benchmark my business and say, do you know what, we're actually doing quite well, but also kind of um, giving me the tools to really grow it. And, yeah. and also look, giving me the, the last part of that is probably giving me the forum to give back a little bit, which is something that again, really it's excites me. Be about, yeah. We can, mate. Mate, I absolutely love this. Brilliant. It's been class. Thank so, you, um, mate. Look, the, the last question that I always ask people is um, basically, if you could, if if you could communicate to every single recruit out there, they'd listen, they'd take on your advice, they'd implement it tomorrow. What, what? It could be a phrase, it could be a word, whatever. What, what springs to mind? What would you say to these people so they'd be listening to you? Um, I think you know, going back to the humility point mm. is don't don't ever be afraid to ask or learn or or you know even show that kind of humility and that um authenticity when you're dealing with your customers you know if you know i much you know admit if you'd make made a mistake if you don't know something don't be afraid don't not to say yeah exactly and just just see yourself as constantly learning i think the other part is is really be patient and build something properly if you're doing you know if you're just starting out in recruitment and you're building a market don't chase the deal because you know ultimately you, you've, you've got to build the foundations to a successful business if you're growing a business again don't chase the deal or the quick wins because you know if you are truly wanting to build a career in recruitment look at look at it where you want to be in five years ten years yeah. and have that in some of Mate. the decision making processes that you make just quickly, mate, before we finish, like, how, how, how do you instill that in people? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, just, I'm just, mate, honestly, I think I totally share the same perspective and opinion in these things. And it's obviously what I speak to you guys about personal brand. You've got, it's the same thing because it goes in line with the recruitment desk, right? So, like, how the fuck do you instill that in people when that is so, it's so difficult to see that when you're getting rejected every single day, when no one's coming back to you? Do you know what I mean? How, how do you instill that in your em employees? Because that's so well, hard. You know, it's more difficult now, I've found, because I think that 
one of the things with uh, kind of society today is is how quickly everything's Instant achievable. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, like if I wanted to go out and um, you know uh, buy something off a new outfit off ASOS or whatever, you know, I could probably well, order it in the morning card. and it'd be, it'd be on the credit card. I might not have the money for it. It'd be with me at the night. You know, so I, I think the kind of that everything needs to be right here, right now is yeah. is, is probably a bit more indicative of the way people yeah, view yeah, things sure. today. But I think it, I think it's going back to um, just really explaining to people that, and be, being clear with them on where you want to be in five years' time. You know, yeah. if you're, if you know, you could be five years' time and you could be, say, on the same money that a, a doctor. Is on, yeah. or that a lawyer is on. That's no joke. Now, if, you know, if you're a if you're a doctor or a lawyer, it's probably ten years of study to get to yeah, that yeah. to that actual stage. Yeah. So it's okay. Well, look, we could get you there in five years, but this is these are the steps you're going to take. If you're if you're a, a you know a trainee doctor, you're not going to sweat if after three months you're not performing yeah. su- performing surgery on someone. Mm. Whereas I think I think that's the bit. The bit really is you've just got to. I think you've also got to manage expectations from day one. I see um, more and more people as they trying to struggle to get talent into their own recruitment business fall into the trap of selling someone a dream. Mm. So it's you know I've got this great market or I want to be all all things to all people. Yeah. Be clear on what you actually are and, and what success is, and then just just be honest with people, and the yeah. right people will come and join. If they don't join, then they, they weren't the right people in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I think as long as you've been clear from someone from day one yeah, and you've yeah. managed their expectations, then you can say to them, look, yeah. this is where we are on the journey. Yeah, no, I really like that. I think, again, it's like if I think about, it's like, okay, yeah, the past week has been horrible and all these things, but yeah, let's think about the bigger picture here. What can it be in these things? So yeah, being actually taking the time to go, okay, well, where can I be in five we- um, five years, not five weeks. Five years, like, I, like I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that hasn't made, haven't made the time to do that because it's very easy just to feel like, oh my God, I'm not getting anywhere. But actually, as you were saying very early on in your career, well, in six months, I'm now getting people to talk to me when they didn't before. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, mate, class. Brilliant. Love that. Well, look, thank, thank you so much for your time, no mate. Thanks. Been a pleasure. Cheers, mate.